Hey Yak, welcome back to another episode of the Quarantine Podcast. Hope this podcast finds you well. Hope you are surviving the quarantine and hopefully getting some chances to get back into regular life slowly but surely um, as we head into the new normal. Episode 48. We're ending the threefold love of God. We're rounding it out. As we head to the third type of love of God, which is called the love of complacency. I know you're like, complacency, that's, I know that word. My, my folks sometimes call me complacent, and it's not a good thing. Well, it's got a different term in the Latin, so calm down. We'll be able to impress your high school English teacher. Um, we're going to be in a couple sections today. Um, we're going to end in Hebrews 11. So if you want to put a finger there, I am going to quote a little bit of Isaiah 62 and then a couple other verses along the way, but you don't have to turn there. Many of these you probably know because you've heard some of these Bible stories a hundred times. So what is the love of complacency, right? Because when we think about complacent, we think about just being resting in what we've done in the past and not being motivated to seek anything new in the future. Right? Be complacent. Oh, I've learned enough of guitar. I don't need to get any better. Oh, I've learned enough of trumpet. I don't need to get any better. Oh, I am I'm good enough at softball or soccer or baseball. I don't need to get any better. Um, and that's what we think about complacency when we, when we think about that word, complacent. But the theological term is, is rooted in the Latin. Um, and the root originally means to please greatly. And so in this sense, God's love of complacency means that he is greatly pleased with his children. You might know this um, or recall this most clearly when Jesus was baptized, right? And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven. This is Luke 3, which he said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And that love is complacency. So classical theologians saw this love as complacency, as the delight God has for his creatures who manifest his image. Okay, I'm going to quote R.C. real quick here because it's so thick and it's so good because he rounds out how these three loves interact with one another and complement one another. Remember when we talk about the attributes of God... Again, it's not a buffet of God's attributes. They all intermingle. They all intermingle. So here is um, how they work together. R.C. The three types of divine love may also be understood in terms of three degrees of God's love. The love of benevolence refers to his goodwill towards the creatures from eternity past. His love of beneficence is expressed in time and space. And his love of complacency reflects his love in the creature's redeemed state. Another way of saying this is that by his love of benevolence, God loved us before we existed. By his love of beneficence, he loves us as we are. And by his love of complacency, he loves us when we are renewed after the image of Christ. Think about it. By God's goodwill, we are elect. By his, benefit, by his benefits, we are redeemed. By his complacency, we are rewarded in heaven. 
And it is his love of complacency that will be bestowed upon us when we hear, as Matthew 25 tells us, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is hinted at in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 62. Uh, this is a good section of Isaiah. Um, I'm going through Isaiah in my personal Bible study. I haven't gotten to the good section yet. Currently, it's a bunch of curses and what Israel's doing wrong. This is what Isaiah 62, 1 through 3 says. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall be a crown of glory in the land in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You know, Isaiah also tells us that this is a God who sings over us and delights. And this also would be a, f- a form of the love of complacency. But it tells us here that according to this promise, the people of God will not only receive a crown of righteousness, but are a crown of the glory to God. You are a precious jewel to him. Um, and and it's nice to rest in that, right? When we have bad ideas of self-image, to think that we have a God that not only sings over us, but he views us as um, a crown that he will gladly um, wear and be pleased with. That's it's very encouraging. Um, so what does, again, this look like? I'm going to end in Hebrews 11, 4 through 7. This is the progress of faith. I love this passage. One of these days I'm going to get around to memorizing this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. Listen here, that he pleased God. So there's that love of complacency. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, preparing an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir. Again, there's that love of beneficence, of the righteousness which is according to faith. It is our faith that allows God to love us with a complacent love. We are made righteous. However, that does not mean our works do not count for anything. We're going to be rewarded in heaven for what we have chosen to do while we were image bearers on earth. And even though those actions were tainted by sin, because when God looks at us as redeemed creatures, he mostly just sees his son. He can be pleased in the actions that we partook of and reward us for those. Um, The author of Hebrews declares that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yet it is only the believer who diligently seeks God. 
Paul taught that by nature no one seeks God. That's Romans 3.11. The seeking of God begins at conversion, and it does not end there. It is the regenerate person who seeks God. It makes seeking after God the main focus, the main business, the main desire, the main purpose of his life. And that lifelong quest is accompanied by the complacent love of God. You know, when we talk about the complacent love of God, it's easy to think about just the rewards that we will receive in heaven. When we are fully glorified, when our bodies and minds are made new. But we get to enjoy this now. When you look in the mirror and there's shame and guilt and depression and stress, you need to be reminded that if you are in Christ, God looks at you in much the same way we look at a panoramic from the top of a mountain and we go, oh, See, God is pleased with his elect. And it is not only that God just loves you, as the term goes, but he also likes you. He views you as a crown jewel, and he will sing over his beloved. Peace.